Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. Well, good morning. If we haven't met yet, my name is Dan. Good to see you guys. Um, National Sticky Bun Day. That sounds great. I saw a picture yesterday of like someone took a honey bun. You know a honey bun that you get from the gas station? Stuck a Twix in it and then wrapped it like a hot dog. And Would anybody eat that? Raise your hand if you would eat that. No? No? All right. I might try a bite, but that's it. <laughs> um, well, good to be with you guys today. Um, we are in our series called uh, Teach Us to Pray. And we're just looking at the Lord's Prayer, Our Father. Um, and the way it came up, the way that Jesus is teaching this, is his disciples said, hey, Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus is like, okay, I'll teach you how to pray. And he gives us the Lord's Prayer. And so that's what we're looking at today. And we're going through line by line, looking at each petition. There's seven petitions, seven asks that Jesus gives us to pray. And, and you know the prayer, your name, your kingdom, your will. And now we're shifting more to us-centered, give us, forgive us, lead us, and deliver us. The first three more focused on the Father, the last four focused on us. And today we're looking at lead us not into temptation. This is the sixth petition in the prayer. Um, today, uh, it, it zeroes in on temptation, a topic that we don't talk all that much about, but we know that we should. Um, and it's a daily experience for us, isn't it? To, to be tempted by something, even the smallest temptation. Um, it's a daily experience. It's something we all experience. And so today we're going to look at the origins of temptation. We're going to look at the seriousness of temptation and then the solution to temptation. So I admit, the first two are, they're kind of going to be bummers. It's all right, though. We'll get through it. And then the third one is a solution to temptation, which is exciting because there is freedom from sin and freedom in Jesus. And we'll get there. So hang on as we go through this. So we'll start with our text in Matthew 6.13. It's pretty simple. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. These final two requests, they're connected. One is stated as a negative and one is stated as a positive. So the one focused is on our um, internal capacity. Lead us not into temptation. It's our internal capacity to choose disobedience, uh, independence apart from God, to choose sin, to choose evil. And the other one is focused on external forces uh, to bring evil and destruction on us. Deliver us from evil. Eugene Peterson, uh, the author of The Message, translation of the Bible. Uh, it's more of a, if you've never read the message, it's more of a paraphrase of the Bible. And so he looks at the Greek and Hebrew, the original languages that the Bible is written in, and then he kind of paraphrases it in more of a modern language. I really enjoy reading it sometimes just to get me out of the rut of a familiar scripture that I can breeze over. And he, he takes this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Um, he says, keep us safe from ourselves and the devil is what that, um, is how he translates that. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. And so these two petitions, they go side by side. They're kind of linked there at the end of the prayer. But we're going to look at them one, of a, one at a time, just to put down roots in Jesus's master prayer here. And so Liz is going to take Deliver Us From Evil next week. This week, I'm going to focus on Lead Us Not Into Temptation. Um. At the outset, the first thing we notice is that 
Jesus is countercultural here. Jesus teaches us to resist temptation, not to normalize it. In our culture, I mean, if we're honest, if we look at culture, we're encouraged in our culture that if you want something, you go get it, no matter what it costs. Like, almost like, not just go get it, but you deserve to be happy. You deserve to have that thing. And the only caveat, and it's not even really that followed that much, is as long as you don't hurt anybody else, it's okay to go do, right? As long as you don't hurt anybody else. But even that, I mean, we ignore so much, don't we? Um, so Jesus, right off the bat, countercultural to what we see in today. And of course, people would say, yeah, don't sin, don't do bad stuff. But there's a whole lot. As I turn on the TV, as I scroll social media, it's all about ourselves being happy. Now, here's the origin of temptation. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, to our first mother and father, Adam and Eve. And you know the story. They sinned, they disobeyed God, they chose their own way. But prior to their disobedience, all of creation existed under God's good governance, his rulership. And mankind, they functioned as God, God's representatives within creation, his vice regents living under his authority and stewarding the authority that he had entrusted to them. But something shifted for all of humanity when they were tempted by the enemy of God, tempted to believe that God's rule was not in their best interest, that his boundary of do not eat was actually God withholding something from them. And how much do we believe that today about all sorts of things? Like God says, don't do this or do this. And by saying that, he's really just withholding something good from me, right? It goes back to that we should make ourselves happy and do what it takes. We deserve to do whatever we want. So we still believe that lie today. Um, and so that moment, something created in mankind's very nature, in all of our hearts, something was passed along to every person born in this world. This innate drive and desire to live independently from God's good governance and to instead choose our own governance, self-governance, determining, determining what's good for ourselves. And that nature manifests itself regularly when we encounter some sort of boundary. A do not, a do not something. When God says don't do this or do this, something in us moments ago had no intention of doing that thing suddenly rises up and we kind of want to do it. St. Augustine, or St. Augustine, I think is the proper pronunciation from what I hear. Um, he, he tells a story in one of his books where uh, he, he and his friends, he, they had a group, uh, they had a name for their group. I think it was like Sons of Destruction or something, something like a, a gang name from a um, long time ago. And uh, he and his friends were hanging out, the Sons of Destruction, and uh, they were thinking about what they could do. And he describes that in his neighborhood where they hung out, they had pear trees. Like lots of neighbors had pear trees. He had a pear tree in his yard, but one neighbor had a fence a rock fence built around their yard so you couldn't get to their pear tree. And when he and his friends saw that fence, they're like, you can't, you can't tell us what to do. Like, we're going to go get your pears. So they had no intention, he says, of eating these pears. They just like picked them up. They climbed the fence, picked them off the tree, threw them, like fed them to the pigs, all this stuff just wasting. He says, uh, not to eat the fruit ourselves, but simply to destroy it. And he talks about how the only, thing, the only reason why they chose that 
pear tree is because it had a fence around it. There's this do not there, and something in them said, let's do it, because someone's telling us not to. Paul talks about this aspect of unredeemed human nature in Romans 7. The boundary, or as Paul calls it, the law, awakened and exposes our sinful nature. It doesn't create our sinful nature, but it exposes it. Have you ever been to like the zoo or the aquarium? And you go up to this tank um, and there is a do not tap on the glass sign. Have you guys seen that? Like when I walk up to the tiger cage at the zoo or the, there, there's this big glass thing where you can like almost feel like you're in the habitat with these animals. It says do not tap. I think there's a slide there. I, I, I found a picture of one. Um, but I had no intention of tapping or knocking on the glass. But now I'm like, well, what happens if I do? Like, now I'm curious about it. I want to know about it. And, and Paul talks about this concept that we have in our human nature um, in Romans 7. And, and it doesn't create, it exposes our sinful nature in part so that we can be healed from it. And so the temptation began in the garden when the enemy of God tempted Adam and Eve and they chose to believe his lies and that gave birth to original sin. And Romans 7 tells us that the good law of God exposes our sin. And then in chapter 8, right after that, you should go read this, by the way. If you got, uh, take some time this week, read chapter 7 and 8. Um, in chapter 8, then he goes on to explain that because our sin is exposed, it can be disposed of through the power of Christ. As Paul puts it, he says, set free. We can be set free from the power of of sin and death because our sin is exposed. James 1, 12 through 15 says this. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth, uh, brings forth death. So James speaks here not only to the origins of temptation, but also to the seriousness of temptation. Did you pick up on the progression at the end of that verse? I'll, I'll read it again. This, this is the progression. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. That lure and entice is a slow process. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth, birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, brings forth death. Temptation begins with a desire so small it appears to be innocent, benign, harmless, maybe meaningless even. And, you know, today in today's culture, there's, this, there's two ways to talk about temptation and sin. Uh, the first, you know, is this like light-hearted, uh, we make jokes about it, it's in SNL skits, it can be funny sometimes, we, we make light of it. Or maybe like Valentine's Day, you saw all the chocolate commercials, you know, and a chocolate commercial would be like, be tempted by our 90% cocoa dark chocolate. It's truly sinful. You know, something like that. Um, 
And we make light of it. It's not a very serious thing. But then, the other side of it is when we talk about it seriously, it kind of makes us uncomfortable. It kind of makes us shudder. Like, don't talk about my sin. We kind of live in this culture where we don't want to shame people. We don't want to uh, make people feel bad for things they might have done. But, and so, and so disgusting sin kind of becomes taboo in our, our culture. But discussing and understanding sin it really is healthy for us. It's good for us. We don't have to shudder at it, but it is something we should take seriously. Even the small stuff, as we see in James here. Because we never start thinking, hey, I want to go down this road to death, as James describes it, as we start these small, as we give in to these small temptations. But when temptation is acted upon, it's like a seed planted in fertile soil. Or an egg fertilized at just the right time. That embryo grows, often hidden in darkness, but nevertheless growing. And when the gestation is complete, it births sin, and that matures into death. Jesus builds this into a daily prayer because it's serious and important. So the seriousness of temptation. Let's, let's consider an example like a, a spouse who's feeling unsatisfied in their marriage. Maybe the relationship isn't as exciting as it once was. The intimacy isn't as frequent as it once was. The mutual admiration of the early days seems to be replaced with conflict and criticism. Perhaps he or she feels unappreciated or um, unacknowledged by their spouse. Maybe he or she feels like the kids now get all of their spouse's attention. But maybe there's that coworker who seems to notice, seems to appreciate, seems exciting, and there's that little spark of something when they cross paths throughout the day. And so he or she begins to imagine what life might be like with the coworker. Just just this passing, maybe small, seemingly nothing temptation is given into. And what begins as a passing thought begins to occupy a growing space in their mind and heart, especially when there's conflict and frustration at home. And one day there's an opportunity to move this daydream forward just a little, a compliment, a conversation, a hidden text thread, a gift, a lunch, a ride, a dinner. And six months later, a year later, two years later, it leads to the death of a marriage. Now that example deals with marriage, but the temptation that we face every day, it leads to a whole host of things, all kinds of forms. The person who gets fired for embezzling from the company started with something small, maybe just like fudging the numbers on their time card. Or maybe a person who blows up their life with addiction just starts with one drink or one pill, just for fun. The person who destroys their relationship through violence or manipulation never started with just with murder in their heart just started when they wanted to get their way. All that is, is deep stuff. Sin starts little, it grows. And Jesus invites us to take this seriously on a day-by-day basis. Pray this prayer daily. Lead me not into temptation. So what's the solution with navigating this minefield? I have great news for you. Like I've just brought you into like, oh, sin is the worst. Temptation is the worst. It's not fun. But there is hope for us in this world. It's not just like we have to 
wait until Jesus comes back and then we're free from sin. We can live in Jesus now. Um, it's important to note the progression. Immediate, the progression of this prayer. Immediately before this, what did we pray? We prayed, forgive us. And so we pray that in the context of us being God's child and him being our heavenly father. And we understand his mercy. And we understand his forgiveness. Because he's our good heavenly father. It's not something that we've earned. Notice there's nowhere in this prayer where, where we pray, uh, Jesus, teach me how to pay it all back to you. How can, how can I make up for my sin? That's not it. We just ask for forgiveness. We ask for forgiveness for our trespasses, the boundaries which we have crossed. And we ask for our debts to be forgiven. That's the price that is due to make, make things right that we've done. In theological terms, when asking for forgiveness, we're asking to be justified, acquitted, declared righteous, our record expunged, our guilt exchanged for Jesus' innocence. That's what we get as his children. That's what we get when we ask for forgiveness. We get to trade in our sin and the things that we've done wrong, the things that we haven't, um, the way that we can't keep up with, with the righteousness of God. We get to exchange that for Jesus' innocence, and he gives it to us. So knowing that we are not fully mature as his image bearers. We are like a hunk of granite being chiseled out every day, being shaped and chiseled day by day into his likeness, becoming more and more like him. The work is never done here on earth. We continue to look at the Father and we continue to ask for forgiveness daily basis, lead us not into, in, into temptation. Forgive us our debts. And we become more and more like Christ. The work isn't done. This week, um, anybody play in the snow this week? Raise your hand if you played in the snow. Yes, great. Playing in the snow is great. I love the snow. Um, maybe some of you don't, but I love the snow. It's great. This week, me and my kids built a snow fort. I've got a picture for you. You can put that up. Um, so basically what we did, we built this pile of snow with shovels and sleds. And we just build a big pile of snow and then you just dig it out, right? Um, and so we had made it big enough for just like one of the kids to fit in there. And Ellie asked me, hey, Dad, are we done? And I was like, well, if you want to be done. And I realized I thought back to like my childhood when I had made snow forts. And I remembered that the fun of the snow fort wasn't sitting in the snow fort, I mean, and hanging out. The fun of building the snow fort was building the snow fort. And so I remember me and my friend Robbie, my childhood friend, we would build these snow forts. And me and Robbie never finished a snow fort ever. Like there's always something to do, always an addition, an extra room to put on it or a shelf for our snowballs. Or I remember one time we made like this totally impractical snowball catcher. We would make our snowballs and then we would put them in this like little, uh, it went from the top of the igloo down to the bottom. It would just slide down. I don't know why, but it was a cool little snowball trough and uh, windows to throw snowballs out of. The work was never done. We're always working on it. And so this is why Jesus gives us this daily prayer. We're always working on this. This new petition, lead us not into temptation. It speaks to the present reality of every disciple or follower of Jesus who lives between his two comings. 
where he came and brought the kingdom, but not fully and complete yet. And then there is this day coming when he comes back and his kingdom is complete. We are already forgiven. We're justified in biblical language. We're being transformed into his image, his likeness. In biblical language, that's being sanctified. So the prayer for forgiveness is please make us clean. And the prayer regarding temptation is please keep us clean. Let us not sin when we're tempted is the idea. Jesus, by putting this in a daily prayer, takes away the shame of thinking that we're the only one and that no one else deals with the same temptations as I do. And you'll notice that this is a forgive us and lead us. It's an us statement. Pray it as the church. Jesus makes us a daily part of the Christian journey. The prayer to resist temptation is to be led on new paths rather than our well-worn ruts of our life apart from Christ. In our life, we have these well-worn ruts that is so easy to fall into, so easy to follow these paths of sin. And when we ask Jesus to forgive us and lead us, we now to commit to leaving our rutted trails to follow sin. And we go off the path onto his adventure. This daily petition reminds us that though we have been set free from the penalty and power and presence of sin, we are still capable of choosing it. And so we have to make a new path. We have to follow Jesus on his path. When you, in mountaineering, um, when you are uh, on a mountain and you go off the path, you have to have a map and a compass or you get lost. And you take this compass and you put it on your map. If you want to go off the trail, let's say you see something on the map, like maybe there's a beautiful mountain lake up over a ridge or two. Um, it's so easy to get lost unless you have a compass and a map. And so you dial in your compass bearing. It's called uh, taking a bearing. And you just follow that bearing every step. So you take your compass, you wear it around your neck, and you put it on your chest. You dial in your bearing of where you want to go. And as long as you follow that bearing, you can always know where you are on the map. And so every step, you're just looking down at your compass, just making sure you're following that bearing. And that's what we do with Christ. Every step, every day, we're looking at Christ for our direction, becoming more and more like him. Dallas Willard, he describes this prayer, lead us not into temptation, as a vote of no confidence. I like that. And no confidence in our ability to choose the right path apart from God's empowerment. A vote of no confidence in our ability to choose right apart from leaning into his power and indwelling spirit. In order to, because we would choose death over life. We just naturally go that way. We choose things that lead to that. As those born anew, born again, we now have a new heart, but we still have some old habits. We still have the capacity when tempted to choose self-rule and independence. Charles Spurgeon, he calls this a prayer of watchfulness. He also um, uses the phrase, uh, oh, I can't remember it. I didn't write it down either. I might remember it later, but, um, but it's a prayer of watchfulness. It's this idea that like we know who we are. We know what's inside of us. We know what we're tempted to do. We know what paths we're drawn down to. We know our capacity to fail when tempted. 
And so this prayer of watchfulness is saying, Jesus, keep us from that. Keep our eyes on you. God, I know who I am. I know what I'm capable of, and I need your divine presence in my life to guide me in the right direction. And so this petition is a daily posture of humility in which we acknowledge our capacity for sin, missing, the, missing God's mark to do right, our need for empowering grace, the way in is the way on, as John Wimber would say, the way we receive Christ is the way we continue in Christ, in grace. And we understand our desire to throw off our old nature of sin and mature in our new nature of being like Christ. Right after that last passage we read in James, uh, James 1, 14 and 15, right after that, we read this. Don't be deceived, my, brother and si- my, bro- my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of the Lord that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. That first fruits could be a whole nother sermon, but in short, uh, it's an image of us becoming Christ-like, of us um, transforming to be more like Christ. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face behold the glory of the Lord. We are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is in the Spirit. We're being transformed. Instead of yielding to temptation, we are called to yield to our new birth, our new nature. And this daily petition, lead us not into temptation, is a way to cooperate with the Father's intention to not only free us from sin, but to transform us to be more like him. So when we pray, lead us not into temptation, we're also asking that we might be empowered to recognize temptation for what it is, a lie. And we're praying for the reordering of our hearts to choose a path of life instead of death. We're asking to be saved from our own capacity for self-destruction and to instead live in God's kingdom life. We're asking for God's empowering grace to choose obedience and goodness. By asking this, we can then be confident that what difficult things do come, uh, they come to us also with a provision of grace, that we don't have to be destroyed or harmed by trials and temptations, that God can empower us to walk through these valleys that we encounter, and they can grow us as we lean into him, We can grow into him. And so today we've talked about the origins of temptation. That it starts with Adam and Eve and it starts with us at birth. We all have have temptation that we have given into. We've talked about the the seriousness of temptation. That no temptation is small or insignificant. And that we always have to be on watch. It's a prayer of watchfulness. And then we've talked about the solution to temptation, and that's leaning into Jesus, looking for what he has for us, and always knowing that what he has for us is better than our own self-governance. Let's pray. Jesus, um, I'm thankful that 
you're a God that wants to lead us out of that, that temptation, lead us out of sin, that you're a God that you don't just ignore us or cast us to the side when we do give in to temptation, but you offer grace and forgiveness and you offer us a way out. And so I'm so thankful for that. I praise you that you are that way. Thank you for being that kind of God, that loving God that wants to see the best for us. So Jesus, today we pray forgive us and we pray lead us not into temptation. Help us to be on guard for what comes our way. We love you. We want to lean into you. And we just want to look for where you're working, God. Show us where you're working. We want to be there with you. So we look forward to the ways you're going to work in our lives this week. We love you. Amen. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemohammed.org. lifemohammed.org.